0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an awesome, awesome guest here with us. Joe, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Pamela. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you so much for being here. For those of you who don't know, Joe is an Absolute rock star. He is a serial entrepreneur, has launched several businesses, multiple seven figures, just like amazing, amazing. And so, Joe, we really appreciate you having and being here with us today. Seriously, it's such an honor. And with all your magic, my question to you, and this is a pretty loaded question, but I'll Ooh. ask it. I don't know. Are you ready?
1: I am ready.
0: My question is what inspired you? on your path to where you are today?
1: It is a little question <laughs> and this is a documentary, right? So we have about two days for this.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my goodness. What inspired me on my path is my upbringing. Grew up in Hong Kong and my parents got divorced when I was really little, when I was really young. So I know my father loves me, but just like any other father, not just traditional Asian father, they work hard, right? That's how they know to provide love is by providing things and education and stuff so we can live better. So same thing as my father, after my mom left, my father works just as hard as before. And the problem is I never got a sim. Just never, same, right? At that point I realized that, well, I don't know what I want to be when I grew up. I couldn't even pronounce the word entrepreneur because it's in Chinese or in English. So I have no idea what that means. I just know that I want to do something in the future when I grew up that I can make a lot of money and have a lot of time. And we all know how that goes as entrepreneur, right? It's kind of like a 24-7 journey. So that's kind of like embedded to me that uh, I want to do something with the true freedom. But the truth is, I didn't really thought I would become an entrepreneur because with my culture, we realized that we've been taught that only the one that's privileged or the who's who's or the super gifted talented are allowed to own their own business. So my case, the chance of being an entrepreneur is kind of fell into my left right around my senior year when I was studying computer engineering degree. At that time, my buddy Charles just kind of started his own thing to design a POS system for restaurant. And then I saw him, wow, this is actually kind of cool. And he come to me and said, like, do you want to partner together? I'm like, uh, what am I supposed to do? He's like, well, you do everything except for programming. I was like, that's awesome because I suck at it, right? <laughs> so if I don't have to do programming, which is my major, then I'm good to go. So I'm like, okay, just go sell it. So that's kind of like how I started Entrepreneur Journey and the opportunity kind of fell into my lap. But to move forward to the story, we started making money really fast and then it was great, but we quickly failed because I had no idea how to manage a business. He had no idea what we're doing. <laughs> so it's two people that have no idea what this is about. We have some financial success, but we have no idea what was going on. So the partnership quickly fell apart. And then at that moment, what I have left, Pamela, is a reality that I suck at business. <laughs> so unlike other entrepreneurs that have the, uh, have the illusion in their head that if someday I launch a business, I'll be amazing. I kind of get that dream taken away from me because I did launch a business by default and we failed and I suck at it. That's how it all started. <laughs>
0: Oh my God, well, you mentioned some really important things. But you know what I really loved about your story is like you went ahead and did it anyway. You didn't know what you were doing, then that's okay. You just took the first step and you're like, okay, well, let's try it out, which I think is awesome. And you know, from those failures, I, I like to call them lessons. So, like, what was your biggest lesson that you learned in that first business?
1: The biggest lessons I learned is that if you want to be successful, not just being entrepreneurship in life in general. I took on the responsibility that I causes this, not that my partner causes this or the environment causes this. What I mean by that is at that point is that I realized that I was the one that not educated. I was the one that not experienced. So what can I do to better myself? So I can come out better instead of just complaining, oh my God, my business failed, you know, my partner quake and things like that. So the biggest lessons I learned is as an entrepreneur, I only win or I learn, I don't fail. The business idea may fail, it happens, but it's not a big deal. Because like you mentioned before, it's not failing. It's a lesson to learn. So instead of thinking win or lose, like most people do, I think the biggest takeaway for me as a human being, not just as a business, is that if we keep on going, keep on being curious, keep on learning from what we did before and learn from it, as an entrepreneur, you either win or you learn and your big success is gonna come. It's just made of time.
0: Amen to that. And like, you know, for you, how did, did you go back into that business? Did you pivot back in?
1: Just completely uh, shut down. That particular one, and which was uh, not very smart to do. Now looking back, that could be in so many different ways, right? And, but I didn't know all those like technique to do. It's just gone at that point.
0: Gotcha. How did you handle, because I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening that maybe could be dealing with a partner or partners, you know, what would be your biggest advice based on what you learned in that first experience of how to deal with partners and how to manage conflict when things aren't going so well, (laughs) you know?
1: I will say the biggest lessons to learn is kind of like piggyback on the first question, right? Is look within, what could you have done that would avoid or soften the situation? In my case, one of the reasons that my buddy wanted to quit is because he wants stability. Of life, right? He went on and get a really you know good paying engineering engineering job. so at that point, I failed to see that his needs, his motivation was stability. Now, knowing that I could have bought him out, I could have you know get advanced from the project we 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 got and guess and pay him as a salary, then I'd be the sole owner, even better, more money for me, right? <laughs> but at that point, at that moment, i I was young, I was immature. I was inexperienced and I externalize, I blame him for, whoa, wait a minute. Why don't you see what I see, the potential and quit on us. So the lessons that they learned is when partnership falls apart, the first step to do is look in the mirror. What could I done to avoid it and fix it? And the second thing is communication. If I would just ask honestly, like, hey, what's going on? What is on your mind? Why'd you quit? Instead of, you know, like, what, you're quaking, what the, beep, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> he may tell me that, you know what, I want income. Then I'm like, oh, you want income? Okay, let me go figure it out. So that's the biggest lesson I learned. Look within and honest have honest communication on what the other person needs and want.
0: I love that. I love that. I love that so much. And then from there, how did you pivot and start your own journey into the entrepreneurial <laughs> realm after that first business?
1: All right, chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that really was, uh, was one of the uh, bottom of my life at that point. You know, I graduated college. I thought I have a decent grade, have decent experience. No one hired me, failed my business right off the gate. So at that point, I was able to just went back to the only thing I know how to make money, which was a restaurant, working as a waiter. That's mm-hmm. how I did full college support myself. And then I was so stressed at that point. And then you know how restaurant life is. It's crazy hours, right? Long story short, I got this really bad stomach ulcer. Well, I went into ICU unit, almost died at age 26. Like true story. I had two bags of blood transfusion just to get myself better. And the moment I feel the blood coming to my body that I know I'm not gonna die that night at the ICU unit. The next thing come in my head was how am I gonna pay this medical bill? Like literally Pam, that's exactly what I thought. And I just start crying. And I remember holding my mom's hand. I was like, how am I going to pay for this? And she told me we're going to figure it out. But at the end, I, said, I figured it out, right? <laughs> so it was, it was so stressed. Then, then the next day I get out of the hospital and uh, my boss from the Chinese restaurant called me and say, when can you come back to work? Without hesitation, I say tomorrow. So with that experience, I thought to myself, wow. I guess it's just what, how, how everybody does it, right? So I went back to the restaurant that day. Around three, four o'clock is when we take a break. I started to like have tears in my eyes because I sound to like, I don't know, it's called self pity or reali- realization or epiphany moment, whatever that you call. I look at myself, wow, I came all the way from Hong Kong to this country to be a better life. I have a five figure debt on my education. I failed my business. Now I have a huge medical bill. Is my life just meant to be a waiter? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like I'm meant for more. That's when I realize that it cannot be. So, one thing led to another, my wife now, then girlfriend, we've been together 20 years. She told me, hey, you should buy this program to sell stuff on internet. This is 2003, right? When you tell people you sell stuff on internet, they think you have a hobby, right? Get a job, get a life, right? I'm like, yeah, whatever. But at the end, it's 70 bucks. And I was like, okay, I guess I can afford that program. So I bought the program from this infomercial. And then so one week later, I finished studying it. And then they said, oh, you want to sell stuff on the internet? You need a website. And we can sell it to you for $6,000. I was like, $6,000? I don't even have $6,000 credit on my credit card. <laughs> so this is not, not doable. So I quickly get my money back. And then at that moment, I thought to myself, if someone would have put up that much effort to put, put up an infomercial to sell someone like a borderline scam, I call it scam. It turns out later on, the shoot, FTC shut down that company. It was a scam. It was crazy, right? What are my odds, right? Then my thought was that if someone would put up that much effort, the real deal got to be huge. That's when I started digging into digital marketing. Back in the day, it's called online marketing, right? So one thing leading to another, I learned how to, you know, market things online. And that's when I started my first business selling self-defense products like stun guns and tasers. And that's my first successful business.
0: Wow. What? What inspired you to sell those specifically? <laughs>
1: Do you really want to never end this call? There's another story, but I make it really quick. I'm a Chinese. Of course I know martial art, right? Of course we're all Bruce Lee, right? It is true. Everybody fight like Bruce Lee from Hong Kong, okay? (laughs) So don't mess with us. (laughs) So uh, I, I was reading some books. They're like, oh, you should sell something that you're passionate about. So at that point, 2003, I thought, oh, I will sell Chinese martial art DVD. Then when I Googled it, I found out a little small company called Amazon. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't compete with Amazon, even though they were really small back then, right? Mm-hmm. But still they're big, you know what I mean? So I was like, what else can I sell? So I was like, okay, maybe I should sell something related to self defense. So for some research, digging it through and I found out, okay, stun guns, stun guns and taser was a good market because where can you buy those things offline? If you cannot buy things offline, then it got to sell online, right? So that's how I went into it. It just based on supply and demand and some personal interest.
0: Hilarious. So, so how did the sales go with that? <laughs> that?
1: Crazy! It was amazing. It really was, you know, because at that point, once I realized that no one can buy gun offline and we were able to do our, our digital marketing really well online, we rank on all the search engine, we do pay ad and all the stuff. We dominated the search page, right? For the term gun and Taser, then just sales just start flopping in. And it was amazing. It was like dream come true. Like you're sitting at home literally in your shorts and sometimes no shirts depending on the weather and you just keep money, you just keep, keep coming like ka-ching, ka-ching, It was back in the day. It was good. It was good.
0: I'm sure you ended up scaling that one. And then how did you pivot onto the next one? So you talk about the scaling because you're like, oh, it's cha-ching, ching And then it's like, <laughs> because it's kind of a new concept to do like online stores at that time. So it'd be interesting to know, like, how did you sort of frame that to scale it? And then how'd you jump into the next one?
1: Yeah. So at that time, after our first year, we were already doing uh, well over six-figure in profit, right? So for a guy that, you know, know know nothing about business, know nothing about life in general, I felt pretty good. Then at that point, I wanted to learn how to manage a business and hire hire people because I was a solopreneur. I have no idea how to people, I have no idea how to manage anything, not even myself, right? So, so I'm like, okay, should I go get an MBA? Because it's a natural route, right? You go get more education and learn management is MBA. So, looking into it, I was like, wow, this is expensive. You know, this is all the profit that we have for the whole year. I mean, you know, paying like I don't know, like almost six figure to commit like two and a half years of not working. I literally called the school. All right, I don't want to name name. I called one of the school uh, the administration office. I said, can I do this like part time? Like how involved is? This? They're like. Oh, you're supposed to do it like two and a half years full time commitment. We have project you have to do intern. I'm like, oh, that sounds too much, right? So one thing lead to another. I stumbled upon a, a franchise opportunity. All right, I don't want to bore you with another crazy story. We'll be here five more days, right? So <laughs> uh, I look into the franchise business. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, franchise. What's better way to learn how to scale and system and process and you know do business and I was like, okay, let me buy a franchise business. Not to mention that franchise business is a tax preparation franchise. So what sold me on the idea is that I never took a vacation my whole day, my whole life, right? So they told me that, wow, you own a tax franchise, you don't have to work the entire summer. I was like, wow, that's awesome, right? What is a better way to make money, learn how to you know scale a business and not work the entire summer. So I'm in. So I bought a franchise business to learn how to uh, scale. That's my third business.
0: <laughs> what realm was that business in?
1: Uh, like tax preparation. Oh,
0: So tax- oh, okay.
1: uh, like, like tax preparation, like right now would be a busy season for like tax preparation.
0: Did you buy it in your central location? Yeah.
1: We bought one location. We ended up having three. So we, we bought one location to start with. We did our one year where we did one season with that business. And it was, it was quite a personal journey because there was a lot to learn. And then, but fortunately with the guidance with the company and a lot of hard work we were able to four times our investment and I exit that company is because I just didn't share the value on how, you know, how to operate and the target audience. So that's the biggest lessons I learned from that experience is that life is a little bit more than just money, the truth is. And I realized that value is at least for personally I, I value my, my own value and integrity a little bit slightly higher than, than wealth so because the business does, it just doesn't align with my personal value so I decided to exit on that and that's the lessons I learned from that
0: that's incredible and then the business that you had before that with the online the tasers and the stun guns did you end up selling that before you jumped into the tax prep no
1: no no it was crazy I still have that right so I still have that while wow, I run both businesses in the same time that's when I learned to uh, try not to do that next time <laughs> because uh-huh. it's so hard. and then, But that's also when I learned that what I am capable of when, you get, when you're when being pushed hard, you know? So I was running my self-defense products business and then I run the franchise business for a season. That's when I learned how to scale. And after that, I used everything I learned from the how to scale and scale my own self-defense product business.
0: So you're happy that you didn't go for an MBA, but you invested in the franchise instead.
1: yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: so awesome well because that's like the type of things that you don't learn in school right you learn a lot yeah. of theory you learn a lot of things but i don't think that there's any experience rather than going out there and like learning and owning a business i think that's absolutely the biggest, teacher, biggest teacher you could ever possibly have
1: <laughs> absolutely and you know how i feel right i mean long story short people ask like, how do you learn all this stuff put your money on the line and you'll learn mm-hmm. that's just, i mean that's the truth put your own money on the line you'll learn
0: Absolutely, I'm 100% agree with that. Now, I have a question for you. Sure. Personally, what did you wanna be when you grew up, Joe? Oh. <laughs> I'm just wondering.
1: I love that question. And thank you for giving me a chance to, to say that. Oh, without telling another story, I, I, like to, I like to talk a lot. So my grandma told me that you like to talk a lot and you like to argue, you should be a lawyer. <laughs> So, so I was like, oh, sure. Wow. If you can just talk and argue with people all day long and win, be a lawyer, I'd be a lawyer until, until I hit in Hong Kong, they call it secondary school and here, maybe around like middle school.
0: Yeah.
1: Until I realized that, wow, lawyer, kind of like a student. And I wasn't. <laughs> so th- that dream quickly, like, nah, I don't think lawyers are out. Then I wanted to be a DJ. Like, you, like, a, like a radio DJ, like a dish jockey. Because I love music, right? I love music. I love to sing. I love to talk to people. I was like, wow, if I can listen to radio, if I can listen to music all day and talk to people in interview and just kind of like whatever and talk about stuff and make a living, that would be amazing. So my second biggest dream is to be a DJ. Oh
0: my gosh. <laughs> have you done any DJing at all? Have you Have you sampled a little bit? played
1: with it a little bit Uh, no unfortunately not because you know growing up in hong kong if you do stuff like that your your parents will disown you
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i don't know if i told you but i was a dj in college oh that's awesome yeah, oh man I in college and it wasn't on purpose. I just like I couldn't stand the music that was being played on campus so I bought my own like small little set and I just started going and just had oh it. Man. how was it? You can still will do it, Joe. you can still do it.
1: Oh man yeah I, maybe that's why I'm thinking about like if I have uh, my podcast, there's like a new. That's like, like a modified version of that, right? <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> awesome. And like, question for you too. You know, what, what was your biggest inspiration growing up? I know you mentioned your dad, and then he was working and stuff. But was there another person, or is there another like mantra that you had that kind of like you know, as you were growing up, like you kind of lived by?
1: Yeah. The truth is, I didn't really have any idol because my world truth is, I wasn't even a reader. Right? I was a bad student, not a reader, and pretty lazy. In pretty. I mean, this, that was me. So I wasn't very inspired by a lot of things, but there's one thing that I truly believe ever since then is, I don't know how to quote it exactly. It's kind of like how you treat other, like you, how you want to be treated. That was always been my thing. Like I realized that, you know, there's really no no right or wrong to the extreme. It's only consequence, right? If you can handle the consequence, then, you know, that's you. Who, do, who to judge like it's right or wrong or black or white, you know? So, yeah. So ever since early on, in my my when I was young, I realized that you know I should only treat people how I want to be treated.
0: Right. Right. I love that. I love that, Joe. And and then you know throughout your businesses as you were transitioning because you've had quite a trajectory throughout your businesses. How many businesses have you had now?
1: All together, now I'm on seven. No, I I, I my seventh failed. I'm on eighth right now. This is what I do right now. Like as a as a of life coach, that's what I'm doing. Eighth.
0: Yes, so walk me through the rest of the business. I think we we paused at number three.
1: Yeah. So number three was uh, the tax preparation. Number four was a startup, like that was my I was of exposed to like startup, like a software that would be really cool. At that point, I like to get different haircut, right? I had a lot more hair back in the days, so don't let this fool you. So <laughs> I would get like really, really different haircuts. Just, I just love it. So I thought, well, maybe if there's a website to connect stylists with a client, this is back in the day, right? This is back in like 2009, right? If I can connect just the, uh, directly from the client to the stylist because you follow the stylist, right? You don't follow the salon. Then we have that direct creation, create all the tools to help the stylist to, you know, market their own business. They'll be amazing. So I call it the hair hero. So I, you know, spent a lot of money that I made to hire some software en- software engineer to build that thing. We we dragged it off for about two years, and um, it failed. I shut it down at the end. It's because I wasn't hungry enough. I was just chilling because I was working really little hours. So my life was really good at that point in my own standard. So I wasn't hungry enough to have another success or work hard and focus on it. And that I learned my lessons. Although I had money to spend on that time. But it wasn't enough. It just it was just lack of focus. So that quickly failed. So that was number four. And then number five, I had another startup idea, which is a real estate startup that I solved my own problem, right? So uh, I like to rent instead of purchase, just for you know, just for personal preference. And I realized that it's hard to find a good place to live, especially in a city like Miami. So I said, like, what if there's an app out there that will connect the landlord and the tenant directly, right, without anything else? So this time I was smarter. I learned to pitch to other people, use someone else's money, and I did. And so I'm like, oh, this is not just my money this time, it's someone else's money, so it must be good. And then that person, that my partner say, okay, I'll only invest in this if you get into some kind of accelerator or incubator. So I was like, okay, that's kind of a good idea. It's a challenge, right? So my idea has to be somewhat validated by someone smarter than me. So, and I did it. We were able to pitch to this local uh, uh, incubator group. So we got in. So I convinced my buddy to put in the money. So now I just put up the idea in the world, right? So it's like, this is, it feels like a startup. <laughs> so um, we even went on to, to one, one of the spot as an accelerator that we got funded, right? And that a grand money. So at this point, I put up zero money. so this is this is amazing. It feels like a startup. this is this is the real deal, right? So we, I did that while I' still running my self-defense product. at that point, I already have employees, right? so I have some time to do this. So uh, we were able to uh, chunk out MVP on uh, we were able to like pitch after the MVP in the market, get validation. We were able to pitch and raise money and we were able to find an investor to truly invest in us in a little bit bigger way, have a much better have a seven-figure evaluation. And then but at that point, my daughter, my second daughter was about to be born in about four or five weeks. And then the investor told me, and my coach told me that, okay, after we invest in this, the next thing for you to do as a CEO is you need to go continue to raise more money to scale now, right? Now that you have the MVP, you need a team. So I'm like, what do you mean by that? So like, you need to travel a little bit more so to see other people. And that's what you're supposed to do. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. That's, <laughs> I thought, right, in my little world, I thought, oh, you have the MVP out people, you money, you hire people, you just sit and manage, and this thing will go to like trillions, right? But no, it turns out that the CEO has to travel. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I, my experience, that's what they told me. So I realized that, okay, my daughter is about to be born, I don't want to travel. And then, I know you're about to ask me the next question, what's my sixth business, right? At the very same time, while I was working in this business, I had a couple interns. So I had one of my interns start this new business for me. Wow, she did some downtime. So she started this business for me, which is um, we create a baby product, which cause I was I a dad, right? I want to solve my own problems. So I want to create a business that I can relate it. That was my sixth business. So we sell baby product and then she single-handedly launched a product for us. And then we become, we were doing five figures, like really fast. So within a year, so this business is making money already, which is kind of automated already. And then now I have the the real estate business that requires me travel. So I was like, "Ah, I don't know, man. So at that point I had to say no to the real estate business and completely shut it down. And then focus on my baby business. That was my sixth business.
0: Wow. Oh my goodness. On the baby business. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love how every like every <laughs> business you try to solve your own problem, which is so yeah. cool. So, so cool. Do you still have the baby business today?
1: No, I sold that a uh, few years ago.
0: Ah, uh, that's awesome. So now we're at number seven.
1: Well, something number seven fail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now you're at eight, right? Number eight now. Number eight is doing good.
1: So that's
0: awesome. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. So throughout your amazing companies, what were some of the biggest lessons that you learned sort of in total throughout all of them? The
1: biggest lessons I learned, the first thing is win or learn, right? Look at it as an entrepreneur, as a win or learn. Business fail, it's okay. And as an entrepreneur, if you look at it as a win or learn, you will get to that one that will give you a meaningful win. So that's lesson number one. The second lesson is entrepreneurship is nothing but a race between do you have a meaningful win first or is your ping tolerance run out, right? When your ping tolerance run out, that's when you look for safety, which is a job,
0: mm.
1: right? But if you have a meaning, every time when you have a meaningful win, in this case, probably make money, right? Something that comes to fruitful, make money or make impact, you reset your ping tolerance. Now you know, okay, I have higher ping tolerance right now. Maybe my new ping tolerance is like six months a year, two year, or X amount of dollar, I'm willing to invest before I see any income or return on investment, right? So the key to entrepreneurship is to, how do you position yourself to constantly have that win before your pain counts on now, which is a balance between your, your belief system and your mindset of what win really is about. So make baby step and make progress versus perfection, right? So that's lesson number two, progress, versus profession and create small win daily, if not hourly, if you can afford it, right? So that's something you can control. That's lesson number two. Lesson number three, which is, I will not say which one is the biggest lessons, but lesson number three kind of like ties everything together is I realize that as an entrepreneur, I know I keep saying entrepreneur, not just business in general, because my, my personal excitement is that I love this entrepreneurial lifestyle. I would not trade for anything else, right? The business is just one part of it, right? So as an entrepreneur, you are the strongest as your, as your weakest link, period. You're the strongest as your weakest link. Meaning, what I mean by that is, if your business is doing really well and your personal relationships suffer, there's no way you can give 100% to the business. You might think you are, but you are not. Because, I mean, the easiest example is when you're sick. We've all been sick before. When you're sick, physically sick, can you focus? You can't even think straight. Can you can you grind it out 12 hours? You can. That's what I mean by you're the strongest or weakest link. But that holistic approach, it go further than just healthy, right? Or oh, your health is go to all the way to your belief, to your mental fitness, to your relationship, to the relationship to yourself, your health, your energy level, your faith, all those are tied together, which would translate to business success if that's what you want to focus on. So my suggestions is take a holistic approach in, your life and look at where is your weakest area and try to plug that hole. Cause otherwise, you know, you're not maximizing your full potential in any area or as person in general.
0: Amen to that. And any specific advice for entrepreneurs that you would give on, on what you wish you knew?
1: I wish I knew to uh, work with someone that I uh, have done what you want to create mm-hmm. sooner because, you know, success, there's shortcut and the shortcut is not about doing less, it's about doing more of the right thing by learning from the people that have already lived and create and walk the path that you have. So I wish I would start working with a coach or mentor a lot sooner. Then I would have a, a much more easier or straighter path, so to speak.
0: I love that. And that's kind of what you created now in, in number eight, right?
1: Yeah, my number eight is uh, as a coaching business that I call myself a quality of life coach. My primary focus is to help busy entrepreneur try to figure out what is truly matter, not only in the business, also in their life. So you can focus on that and live this harmonic lifestyle that I call it, play more, live more, make more.
0: I love that. And basically, so who's like your avatar, your number one, like like the person that, like entrepreneurs, like I would imagine, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My number one avatar is the six figure entrepreneur.
0: Because
1: yeah. I realize that six figure entrepreneur is the one that they have a validation on what they can do and what the business model is. And the reason the six figure entrepreneurs say six figure, a lot of time it's not because they lack of marketing, right? I would say this, maybe a lot of marketing guru is gonna hate me on that, but I would say (laughs) it. A lot of time they're stuck at six figure and not to the next level, has nothing to do with marketing. Has everything to do with how they run the business and what they're focusing on. The one thing that is gonna lead them to the next level is usually already locked in the head. But the problem is they're so close to the business that they see abstract and they cannot see the big picture. Therefore, they got lost along the way and forgot what they want to be known for, what the business set up to do. So my job is to help them with a holistic approach to sometime have to reset in order for the growth. So that's what I do.
0: That's amazing, Joe. That's amazing. And I have to ask you this. This is one of my favorite questions. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now?
1: Start sooner. Just jump right in and learn the lessons. And don't worry about what the other think. And just know who you are. Spend more time learning who you are. Have a stronger belief system than spending time learning the tactic. Because the tactic, you can outsource easily right the mindset only you i mean not only you but only you can change it the other can inspire you and guide you but spend a lot of time working on your mind and yourself and on yourself and first it's like learning just tactics
0: that's amazing and joe you mentioned a little bit your business number eight and that's sort of what you're working on now because you've been working on some amazing things amazing amazing things so tell us what are you up to in the world now in your coaching business
1: yeah, yeah. one of the things that I'm always excited about is like Aristotle, one of the greatest philosophers said, right? knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. So you know, Pamela, as, as an entrepreneur, you know, your business is a reflection of your beliefs and your value, and it has real impact on how your business runs and grows. So one of the best secret of a successful entrepreneur is they all know themselves very well and they know their value very well. So what I have created is I have this personality as assessment and this assessment is a value-based assessment It's only take 90 seconds to complete. And this powerful assessment is responsible to help some of my students get back hours per day. And not only that, it also help the others to identify and delegate up to 90% of their work so they can completely feed themselves up to live and focus on the things that truly matter. So it's a special gift to your audience for Underdog Podcast. What i like to do is I offer your audience opportunity to take this assessment for free only take 90 seconds. And not only that, at the end of the assessment, I will personally give you three custom tips so you can implement right away on how to skyrocket your productivity and how to get things done faster and stress-free and 100% customized. And if you're interested, in? all you need is go on to the website at moretimetospend.com forward slash underdog and take the assessment and get the three tips today.
0: You are amazing, Joe. So if everyone heard that correctly, 90 seconds, so you can get 90% of your life back. Why would you not do it? (laughs) <laughs> right why would you not do it that's incredible that's incredible joe thank you so much for offering that to to our listeners because they're all incredible they're all amazing and they're all on different journeys so i know that you will add value to them without question and i'm going to take it also myself because i'm always learning too every day and i'm just so so grateful for you and now joe where can everybody find you and your awesomeness Are You you follow me on
1: facebook um the real joe lao again it's the real joe lao on facebook
0: you are amazing. You are amazing. Joe, thank you so much for being here today and offering thank you so much. amazing insight, your wisdom. I can't wait to see how your coaching business just thrives and continues to change lives around the globe. So thank you so much for doing what you're doing, for being here today, my friend.
1: The only dream that I've been
0: chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show.